how niche should you go when you're just starting out as a marketing consultant or freelancer? That's what we're going to get into today. And it comes from a great question from Jack in the community. He says that he introduced himself as a B2B marketer. He's currently working in-house and for a company that would probably be classified as a B2B manufacturer. So uh, he says that his plan is to go into an advisory strategy kind of independent practice in the next, say, six months or so, if, you know, assuming all things go go well into plan. And congratulations, Jack. That's a, a fun leap to make. And there's obviously things that you can do to set yourself up for success, uh, like having a website and some, you know, creating some content, even if you don't quite put your name on it, or at least you don't, you know, have any services on it. Things that will eventually allow you to have a better home base when you do eventually make that leap. And I think we already talked a little bit about that. And I've talked about that in the past before. So the company, you're, the question you're asking is, is about niching and about where you should start off when you do make the leap eventually. And your three options were, well, should I go to general B2B? Should I look at manufacturers or should I look at fire safety and security companies? Um, which is, I think the niche that you currently work for. And so that would be like all the way down. That's, that's three levels deep, which I, which I tend to like, by the way, or even four levels. You might be, you know, I do marketing for anyone, then B2B, then manufacturers or B2B manufacturers. And then maybe the last one is fire and safety, fire safety and security companies. So it's an interesting proposition. So, and there's a few things to unpack there. Number one is you can succeed by going at any, at any level to some extent, the, just the marketing plans and, and tactics and how you're going to get clients is going to vary dramatically depending on which one you choose. To me, ultimately, if you end up at the third level deep, the lowest, the most specialized uh, level, that's when you really tap into sort of category of one positioning, especially in an industry like fire safety and security. Uh, you basically become extremely sought after depending on what's out there and their, their needs around marketing and that sort of thing. Now, should you start off with there? My general thinking is probably not because even if you, even if you had the right, the right messaging, the right products, the right services, which you, you still probably won't have the right services until you get into this business a little bit more and talk to more people and figure out exactly what you're going to offer. Um, it's going to be, take a long time to kind of get, to get momentum and get started. So if you're starting from a stand, so it all comes down to what's your runway like. And if you're starting from a standstill, it, uh, you just have to know either way, it's going to be a little bit difficult. So I would recommend going a little broader and being say a fractional CMO for B2B companies or, or something very broad like that. I think picking B2B is still enough. I've had people seek me out when I ran an agency for B2B marketing in the local area that I lived in, which was Toronto. And so I think that can work and people are looking for that kind of thing. So it's, it's a thing, but it's super broad and it will, you know, there's a lot of down downsides to living in that level of positioning long-term. For example, you're interchangeable. The world's your, 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 uh, your competition, et cetera, et cetera. You're, you don't have repeatable systems that you can sell and all, all kinds of other stuff. But I think it's not a bad place to start. Now, if you start at the B2B level, so I'm, you know, I'm fractional CMO for B2B, uh, general B2B companies, or if you, you know, had, had enough of a network, and this is the other part, if you had enough, if you, I think the network you have and the people you have access to matters a lot, as well as the credibility you have working for, say, B2B companies or B2B manufacturers uh, or whatever niche you're claiming. So those are really important is what is your track record? Do you look good on paper? Do you look credible? And two is who do you have access to? Because that's going to really help drive momentum early on. So, um, Assuming you don't have a ton of runway and you can either, you know, build your web, build your business on the side, which some people do on the low key. And I can't advise that necessarily in case you lose your job. So don't, don't do that and come to me and say you lost your job because you built the thing on the side. Um, 
but some people do that. And if you can't do that, then you want to stock up as much cash as you can. And ideally you want to get as much recurring revenue as possible in the door, because that is the key to mental, you know, uh, ease when you are running your business, you want recurring revenue. The last thing you want is to have these huge swoops and swings of, of project revenue. It becomes, it becomes very difficult to, to fill your pipeline enough unless you know, yeah, there's a whole bunch of problems with that, but won't get into that right now. So ideally you have a bit of a runway either way. And if you're going to make the leap, ideally you can find a secure a client that's going to at least pay your overhead before you make the leap. So maybe you reach out to a few people and then, and maybe you show them your blog and your blog is kind of, you know, under the radar, if you will, maybe it has your name, maybe it doesn't. You reach out to people, you draw up some conversations and then you, or you transition your current job into a fractional CMO or an advisor type role. And that will at least give you the base and you're not going to be desperate because the last thing you want to do is to be, to be desperate. So assuming you have a bit of a runway to work with, staying at, staying at the, the B2B level and then going down and having what are called audience pages or sub verticals. And then having a landing page that basically redescribes what you do, why you're credible, how you help, and the, the things you offer, and maybe even has some access to links and blog posts that you've written for that particular vertical. And that can be done with, say, a blog category on WordPress, and then it just displays that industry's category of blog posts on the page. However you do it, uh, it makes your landing page, which is an audience page, and maybe it's a drop down. Uh, you know, who I help. And then it's got a few examples of people you help. Maybe it's manufacturers, B2B, fire and safety, fire safety and security, whatever. Uh, then you can go and do some outreach and point them to that landing page and show them some content. And it kind of re-describes re your business in a way that feels very specialized, even though your general positioning is a bit broader. And then you can still talk about marketing related things on LinkedIn and other places, even when you have a job without promoting yourself, but at least get, get your kind of get people's awareness of you out there as sort of a thought leader in marketing in general, sharing tips and tit tidbits that people would resonate with as a, just a natural expression of who you are as your personal brand, even though you're not selling anything officially. So we talked about a few little strategies there for kind of maybe bridging that gap. So you're not starting leaving your, your job and then having zero income, uh, and doing so in a way that allows you to be what I consider to be both a specialist and a generalist at the same time. So by having audience pages, it's kind of that middle gap. It says, hey, I'm a B2B marketer, but I focus in on here are some industries that I've focused on. And then it has a whole landing page and value proposition directly targeted toward them. And one thing to re remember is that, and this is the thing, right? Uh, in the passion economy, Adam Davidson, the book, it's great. You should read it. I think chapter three, there's a ton of uh, laws. He, t he basically says that Actually, let me find the quote for you right now. He basically says you can never have too narrow a niche or niche, but you can rush to your niche too quickly. And I totally agree with that. And he says it's possible that the best audience for your business is left-handed uh, chefs with hunger for the perfect knife with which to cut an onion or something very specific. But it'll take some time to find those members of that group and, and persuade them that you're the only option uh, right for the job. And it can be tempting to wake up uh, to wake up one day, realize that your customers aren't the right fit and tell them all to go away. Uh, but unless you have a sizable war chest of excess cash, it can be best to transition slowly and deliberately. And he goes on. So definitely check out the passion economy. I think it's going to be perfect for you right now in what you're trying to do. But I totally agree with that. So um, knowing that maybe only 3% of people are currently actively buying your services and then maybe like another 7% are intending to, to buy, but they're not really proactively looking, but they're sort of in the market they would be open to an offer. Uh, it means that even if you had the perfect message, the perfect offer, the perfect website directly targeting a specific niche, it's still going to take a long time to sort of develop and uh, turn into a real lasting, sustainable business. 
So I, I'm very practical in the sense that I want you to be open to any opportunity that comes your way so you can pay the bills, so you can avoid becoming desperate so that you can then begin to niche and follow, follow the course. And you can, you can apply your outreach and your energy uh, and your content marketing even to specific industries and, and then reach out to people and point them to the areas on your website that speak directly to them. So you can basically actively market in the niche, but remain a little more general in your positioning, which won't dissuade people in your target market from working with you. Ideally, they would only see themselves in your website, but until that's fully practical where you can turn away all other work, I don't recommend doing that. So I do follow the method of starting a little bit broader and then, and then tightening as you go. Um, you know, and I will, I will say that there, you know, and, and eventually, yeah, you can get right down to, you know, the fire safety and security or even more specific, depending on the size of the market and, and your interest in it and all that stuff. Uh, you basically want to be like the, the, the expert in whatever it is you're selling. And the fact that they have a conference is great because you'd be perfect to speak at one of those. And, uh, and there's no one else sort of translating the marketing world directly to that industry. So there's probably a lot like it's probably like a small door that opens like Narnia into an, a much bigger world, even at a small niche like that. So I love that, that idea of, of a niche that's small, that specific keeping in mind that the target is never the market. So even though you would target those folks, you'd still get people in, in tangential or, um, adjacent industries working with you. So that's pretty cool as well. Um, what else? Uh, yeah, so that's probably my general, my general thoughts for you around, around niching. I'd started a little broad I'd take audience pages. I'd start building content for that specific industry and maybe B2B marketing at large. I would build up that website. And then eventually when I did make the leap, I would add a services page and go from there, or I would add my name. Maybe it's invisible and you don't share anything before that. Uh, and then, uh, but I would also try to pre-sell something. So when you do make the leap, you have a client in house, you have a client ready to go. You're probably going to need to do some managed advisory work, like a fractional CMO. I call it managed advisory stuff where you're basically the alternative to a part-time marketing manager. You run the show. You don't necessarily execute everything, but you manage and run it and hire all the people and do it and manage the budget and everything else that's probably going to be your step gap between becoming a full-time advisor and, uh, and working full-time. It's, it is harder to sell advisory services. People want someone to just do it for them. So you need to build up credibility and experience and expertise and results to show that you're worthy of paying just for your head. So that's the transitionary phase. And you could probably do that for four or five grand a month, maybe us dollars so a little less than that in, in pounds, which is where you're from. Uh, but that's up to you. So the last thing I want to leave you with though, is around alignment of, uh, of the business you run and your personal interests and kind of your mission. So what's going to end up happening, I think you can thrive in a small niche as long as you are somewhat intrinsically motivated to help that target market. And I really think this is important to enjoy the people you help and to enjoy the industry at large. Ideally, you like going to their conferences. Ideally, you like listening to podcasts related to it if they exist. Ideally, you like consuming industry content. And if you don't, that's fine. This is still a viable business. The question is, will you get tired of it long-term? Is this a business of opportunity and, or is this a, uh, or is this genuinely something you want to do for a long time and become the best at, which will still take a long time. No matter what you do, everything takes a long time. So that's the question. And, uh, I want to leave you with that to think about because you do have an opportunity to remain a little broader, to work with a few other clients in a wider range of industries. And over time you get to see who you like working with, who you resonate with most. And then you can narrow down on the industry that's right for you. So I wouldn't necessarily limit yourself to that industry, although it can be a great place to start. You can learn a ton of skills, create a ton of repeatable assets, create memberships, courses, training, workshops, 
do do speaking at these events. Maybe there's a podcast or two or several that you can get on. You can start one yourself. There's a lot of benefit to being that far down. When you're B2B, you're almost invisible, but you, you get to catch opportunities that are already in your network through your, your friends and, and so forth and past workers, coworkers, et cetera. Uh, but when you're in B2B manufacturing, you're a little less invisible, but you're still really invisible. And uh, maybe you then break out and say, I'm B2B manufacturing consultant. Uh, here are the industries I've worked with. And then you talk about all the different industries you've, you've worked with in the past, like we just talked about with those audience pages. Uh, and then eventually you can narrow it right down. Um, but that's up to you. So make sure you're interested. Make sure you like it. Uh, and if you look, if you've got a runway or you've got opportunities to take on two or three clients before you leave your job or to transition your current work into this kind of a, into this kind of a role, that would be extraordinary. You could, you could jump right into that niche right away and build that business, uh, from the get go. And it would be much easier to sell. You'd be able to do outreach and people would actually like read your cold emails, uh, accept your LinkedIn invites, uh, et cetera. And uh, it's a really, you'd become the, the industry associations would pull you in. The conferences would pull you in because you'd be, you'd be the expert that they were looking for. And you could tell your story behind that. So you could do it. You can do all any of these things you want. The prudent thing in my view is to start a little broader and then have audience pages and write content directed at those that can feed into those pages uh, as well. So that when you do talk to someone and you point them to that industry page to kind of give them a sense of who you are and what you offer and for that industry, that there's a whole, a whole sales pitch tailored to them and feels like it's custom fit. Even if your general positioning is a bit broader, uh, I hope that helps. There's other ways you could do it. You could have a general, I'm a, I'm a B2B marketer. And then you could have a separate business that's focused on the fire and safety. And then basically depending on who comes to you, you can, you can bring them to whatever door that just is a little bit harder. Cause now you're managing two websites. I wouldn't recommend that as your first thing. So I hope that helps my friend. Uh, let me know in the comments if you've got any more questions and, and, uh, I think I covered all of the thoughts that I had, you know, it really is about paying your bills, then getting picky because the last thing you want is to be desperate. You can't sell services at the right price if you're desperate for money. Uh, and so you just have to kind of be willing to be patient. Things take, things take time. And, uh, and you also want to make sure you like the work that you do. And I, yeah, I think that's really important. So I'll leave that with you, Jack. Thank you so much for the question. And if you've got any questions or comments, please follow up in, in the community and I'd be happy to follow up. Thanks a lot. Bye for now.